Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Well, good morning. Man, can we just give it up for the dream team this morning? Worship, connect, production, kids. What a great set. It's good to be in church today. Palm Sunday today, the day that Jesus and his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. What a just amazing day to be uh, with God's people and in church and just, it's, it's really, really good. Very excited to continue our series today, uh, our Inside Out series. And so this is what we're going to do. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Come on, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to jump right into it. We are in the last day of this series. It's been a long one, but how many know it's been really good? It's been really good. Ten weeks, ten weeks of talking about different signs or indicators of spiritual maturity. And I'm so stoked to conclude this series and to get ready for Easter next week and what we're going to continue to do at Thrive. And so we're just going to jump right in. I want to make sure we have enough time with the message this morning. And so go ahead and go to 1 Kings chapter 18. And as you stand for the reading of the word, we're going to go ahead and read it. And it says this in uh, chapter 18, verses 41 through 46. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain, verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again, seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you, verse 45. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Come on, let's pray, family. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're speaking. I pray, Jesus, that as we conclude this series, that, God, you would provoke us to grow in you. I pray, God, that we would listen to what you have to say to us. I pray our hearts and our minds would be open and that, Jesus, you would continue to build this house like how you're building this house. We are so excited for what you're doing here at Thrive. And so we give it to you. We pray that you'd speak through this message. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. And so we're going to jump right into it. I'm very excited. We got Easter next week. I know you heard the announcement. We got three services. Come on now, after Easter. Some of you who like that bilingual feel, you could come at 12 and sleep in. Some of you who don't, you could come at 9 o'clock, right? And then for those of you that like 10, you just come at 1030 and we'll be good. And, and I'm excited because we're just going to make room for more people. It was something we were just talking about as a staff this week, that God has called us here at Thrive to always make room for more. No matter if it's a little uncomfortable, no matter if we have to wake up a little earlier, no matter if we have to stay a little later, we're going to make room for more. Why? Because Jesus wants to reach more people. 
let me tell you, just, just on a side note before I get into the message, as a pastor, I'd rather have growth problems than dead problems. Because <laughs> that's tough. I'd rather be talking about how can we grow, how can we expand the building, how can we plan a campus, than we got to sell a building because no one's in it. And so we're going to do what God's called us to do because we're going to reach more people for Jesus, okay? And so once Easter comes, well, after Easter, it's going it's to be great. So make sure you show up after Easter. Don't be that Easter only. Just because your kids got Easter eggs. You don't come back. Don't do that. Okay. So I'm excited. This week, we're going uh, to end it by talking about the last one, and we're going to talk about perspective. We're going to talk about perspective. Last week, we talked about trust. Amazing weekend. God just did so much stuff last week, and I'm excited to conclude with perspective. Now, in, in, in reviewing, when I was reviewing the whole series, th these aren't necessarily in a particular order, Okay. We've talked about 10 different indicators, 10 different signs of maturity, and they're not necessarily like step one, step two, step three. It's not like a self-help Dr. Phil type of series, okay? This is just what I felt in my heart, what I felt like God was giving me, 10 different signs as I, as I looked at the lives of mature believers. As I looked at the lives of spiritually mature people, I noticed these trends, and the last one we're going to talk about, I believe, is, is a great indicator. And it's something that I believe as we are coming out of COVID, God is really doing, uh, renewing in our lives, uh, not just us, but, but across the board in the body of Christ, is a mature, biblical, Christ, gospel-centered understanding of perspective. You and I need to have a proper perspective when it comes to following Jesus. Absolutely. So let me just define perspective for you, and then we're going to jump in with a few points, and I'll go into the passage in just a minute. But, but let me define perspective. Perspective, this is just the English definition, is a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something, a point of view. And I think this definition really explains it, because all of us have a perspective, whether you like it or not. All of us have a perspective. You want to know why? Because if you get 10 people in a room and you ask them what happened, everyone has a different story. You ever ask your like five-year-old what happened? <laughs> Zadok, what happened to the TV? Uh, uh, right? And they just start rambling and stuff. Everyone has a different perspective. And, and I think this definition is really key because we have to understand that there can be something that's true, but because of your attitude or, or because of the way you view it, you can have a different point of view. Now, here's what I want to really lock in, though. What you and I need to understand as believers is that God is not interested in our perspective. He is much more interested in his perspective through our lives. And you and I have to begin to understand this, that we need to come into the reality of, of having a biblical, Christ-centered perspective of all things in life. And what I have learned in walking with Jesus throughout the years is oftentimes 
people have a misconceived or an unhealthy perspective and that isolates them and causes them to stunt their growth because they are looking at everything the wrong way. I remember one time I was driving with my wife and I, is she in the room today? Yeah, she's actually in the room today. Hey, cutie. Seven months pregnant and still looking good. Come on. One time, I love my wife. I really do. I can't believe you're in the room today for this. I always tell her stories when she's back there. Pray for me. Remember, she's from Stockton. I remember one time my wife um, got her a new pair of Ray-Bans, right? And they weren't from like the flea market. They were legit. And um, got her, I know I was on a youth pastor budget, but I made sure, you know what I'm saying? And then, and got her, got her a pair of Ray-Bans and, and she, she hasn't worn them. And we get in the car and she was driving. Um, and I was just like in the front seat on my phone doing something. Normally I'm texting people or on social media or whatever. And, and all of a sudden my wife, she just like, just starts talking about how she, she's like, wow, babe, everything outside just looks so different. And, and I'm not really paying attention. Let me just, how many husbands you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Devil is a liar. I am doing an altar call at the end for all the men to open your ears in Jesus' name. Leaving me hanging. We'll talk about authenticity next Easter or the next week in Easter on honesty, Pastor Eric. Babe, she's, she's just starting, babe, yeah, like, like look. Like, and, and so we, like, we live in River Islands, right? So normally it's like really pretty with the, like, the sun and the lakes and stuff. And, and, and she's like, yeah, like everything just looks so different. And, and it looks so like, it looks darker. And there's like an Instagram filter like on everything. Like, you know when there's like an Instagram filter? And it has like a brown tint to it. And, and I don't know why everything just looks different. I'm like, yeah, babe, yeah, babe. And then I start realizing like, she's serious? So I, and I'm like, what is she talking about? Because I don't see it. You ever have a time in your life where someone sees something and you don't see it? And I look and she has the new Ray-Bans on I bought her, but she forgot she put them on. <laughs> and I look at her, I said, babe, everything's normal, but you got sunglasses on. And she goes, oh, Oh yeah, everything's fine, babe, duh, right? That's perspective. That's perspective. Sometimes you and I have a lens that is above our eyes in a spiritual, emotional, physical sense that does not show you the reality of what's happening right now. And I wanna just give you this point, which I think is very important to understand, is there's two really main ideas we have to comprehend when talking about perspective. There's the present reality of things, but then there's also eternal perspective. There's the situation currently. There's the situation as is. And, and one of the things I think that is so freeing that I wanna let you guys know is that the gospel, Jesus, is not interested in you having a positive perspective. That's worldly. He wants you to have a biblical perspective. It's not about good vibes and how to be positive all the time and just smile. Listen, sometimes you don't have to smile. Things are bad. Things are rough. 
But the problem is, is then you go on the other extreme where there's individuals who only look at everything as broken and only look at things from an improper and an unhealthy and an immature perspective. And they don't really have a proper understanding of the present reality. What I love about Jesus is he does not ask us to make something up with what we see. He wants us to really lock into the present reality of how things are. He's okay with getting dirty in the things of our life. He's not scared of the things that are happening, but he also, like how Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter one, where he says, if I live as Christ or I die as Christ, it's both his gain. What is Paul saying? I have an eternal perspective that is greater than the current reality that I'm going through. And so if I'm in prison, praise Jesus. If I'm not in prison, praise Jesus. If I'm broke, praise Jesus. If I'm not broke, praise Jesus. If my kids aren't listening, praise Jesus. If my kids are home, praise Jesus. If my boss likes me, praise Jesus. If my boss doesn't like me, praise Jesus. Why? Because there is a greater perspective that I understand. And it's not about just having a happy there, happiness isn't even biblical. Joy is biblical. The fruit of the Spirit isn't happiness, it's joy, which means that there's something inside of you that God has done that gives you joy no matter the circumstance, right? I'm just, I'm just using that as one example because what society will try to tell you is that you just need to look at things like the glass half full. And God's like, no, sometimes it's really empty. But what you got to understand is, can you see what I'm doing even when the glass is half empty? Can you see what I'm doing when the glass is full? Can you see? So, so it's not a matter of a, of a worldly self-help ideology of perspective and just making yourself feel better. No, 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 no. If you have bought into the lie that your goal in life is to make yourself feel better, you will always be empty, my friend. And I know that sounds really tough, but you know it to be true as well. I don't even have to prove that to you. Why? Because you always go to the bottom of the barrel of your heart and you know that there's nothing there. And the only thing that will satisfy you is Jesus. And so you and I need to have an eternal perspective. Here you have in this story, Elijah, who just got done with one of the most epic stories in scripture, right? He, he ends up praying down fire on 450 prophets of Baal, right? This, this, this iconic moment in scripture where it's this showdown between the God of Israel, the God of Elijah versus the idols and the gods of that day. And Elijah wins because God wins, right? You know what I'm saying? And then... There's been a famine for years. Like, like Elijah's just having a great week. You ever win and then you win again? You ever get your tax return and it's much better than you thought? And you get a check in the mail? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just an incredible win. And Elijah prays, and as he prays, rain comes, the famine breaks. But in the middle of that, you have this little part of the passage where the Bible says, Elijah tells his servants to go and check if there's something happening by the ocean. 
And the Bible says that Elijah's servant goes again. Like, just imagine this. It, it kind of sounds like when you talk about your kids, go throw the trash, go throw the trash, go throw the trash, right? It takes like seven times, and then finally they throw out the trash, right? He, he, tells, he tells him, go check. There's nothing there. Go check again. And Elijah prays, there's nothing there. Go check again. Imagine you're the servant. By the fourth time, you're just like, bro, it's not happening. <laughs> Elijah... Rain's not coming. And Elijah's like, nope, go check again. Go check again. Go check again. And here's the report. The servant came. He said, Elijah, there's something there, but it's really tiny. He's like, I don't, there's nothing there. You know, it's not necessarily scripture, but I, I, I asked myself a question this week. I'm curious if the cloud was there, but the servant didn't believe that it was valuable. Nonetheless, even if the cloud wasn't there, the servant's response when he comes back to Elijah is kind of a response of doubt and unbelief. Why? Because he did not see what Elijah saw. But Elijah, when he hears about the cloud, he says, oh my gosh, rain is coming. He, he starts freaking out. He's like, dude, we got to go. You go tell the king. I'm going to go sprint like I'm like a marathon runner, and I'm going to go to the city, and there's going to be so much rain you can't even believe it. And I can imagine the servant saying, but it's a little cloud the size of a man's hand. And he's not talking about a man's hand like a, it looks like a hand in the sky. No, he's talking about if you would look at a hand and point it to like a cloud because of perspective, it looks small. And what I think you and I need to understand is that sometimes when we have an improper perspective, we don't believe God can do what he really wants to do. And what you and I have to get to the understanding of if we're going to mature in Jesus is we cannot be like the servant who thinks that that is not necessarily what God wants to do because it doesn't look like it to us. It doesn't look like what God would do. That's where we get caught up because it doesn't look like what we think God would do or because it looks different than what we, got, what we want God to do. Come on. Come on, let, let, let's keep it really real. That you want God to move in a certain way and when he doesn't move in that way, you lose perspective and you think that God doesn't care and God doesn't love you and God doesn't want you when all the while God's like, that's exactly what you need in your life. We lose perspective. And when we lose perspective, so, so I don't want to be like the servant who responds the way he responds. I want to be like Elijah, who the moment he knew that there was something in the air, he knew that God was going to show up. He knew to have an eternal perspective. He knew to have a heavenly perspective. He knew how to see things through the lens of God. And what you and I will tend to do is instead of looking through life through the lens of the Bible or through the lens of Scripture, there's a fancy, kind of fancy theological term. It's called a biblical worldview that you and I are called, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus and people who follow Jesus, you and I need to have a biblical worldview. What does that mean? Is that we got to look at situations, circumstances, and people in the lens of a proper biblical understanding. And if you and I do not look at Jesus in a pop, proper biblical understanding, if we don't look at situations in a proper biblical understanding, what tends to happen is that we will begin to look at everything else with different lenses, and those lenses will not be 
a heavenly eternal truth or even an, a, a, a truth in reality today. You following? Does that make sense? And so let me, let me help a little bit. Let me, I wanna give to you just some things I came up with, some unhealthy perspectives, some unhealthy perspectives. And so number one is a healthy perspective is the lens of the past. Now, th- th- I just wanna give some of us, we have these lenses. You might even have this lens on today. That's okay, I still love you, it's all good. Some of us, we flip this lens on when something happens. So let me break down what I believe are unhealthy lenses to have. Number one is the lens of the past. Some of us look at life through the lens of what we've gone through. Now, I'm not saying wisdom is bad. I believe God gives wisdom and there's wisdom in experience. The problem is, is when your experience triumphs or you think your experience is over or triumphs scripture in Jesus. Your experience is not greater than God's word. Your experience, my experience, is not greater than Jesus. And so we'll look at things. We'll, we'll look at every situation. We'll look at people through the lens of the past. What, what does that mean? Your personal history, what you've gone through, what you've been through. You'll, you'll look at people and things and situations based on how you were raised based on your development, because your dad brought you up this way, or because your mom brought you up this way. And and what you tend to find when you get saved, come on, I'm not the only one, that we weren't raised the right way all the time. Now, some of you who are raised in a godly home, that's amazing. Like my wife, my, my wife and her family really raised her in an environment that was absolutely biblical and raised in the house of God and raised in church and loved Jesus and loved people. But even then, we're human. And so we have to realign ourselves with truth and we have to take off the lens of the past. And if we just keep on looking at life based on how we were raised, that's not necessarily scriptural all the time. And then, and then here's a big one that I've learned, especially with people who've gone to church a long time and they're in and out, let's just be honest. And I'm not talking about in and out because of COVID. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking in and out, like one day you love Jesus, the next day you don't love Jesus. Let's just be honest. You're doing ghetto I can't say other words because I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> Sinful things. And then the next day, you hooting and hollering at the altar. And what we do is we tend to look at our life and situations and circumstances, not based on what God has freed us from, but because of the sinful mistakes of our past. And next thing you know, we're looking, we're looking at single people. Let me, let me talk to you all for a minute. There might be like 10 of you. It's okay, we'll get all your numbers after service. And we'll hand them to Pastor Matt. Because you messed up in another relationship, you always look at your next relationship based on how you messed up in your last relationship. Because you went too far, now you look at every relationship based on that past relationship. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, and people have done that. What, what we'll do is, is, that's just one of many examples where because I'm looking at things through the lens of my past and the lens of my sin, but God's like, no, you can't look at it through that. You have to look at it through the lens of me, through my blood, through my resurrection, through the gospel, through, through my word. You gotta look at it, okay? Num- number two, number two is a lot of us, and I think this is more common, but I really wanna hit it, is we look at things through the lens of culture. We look at it, we'll look at a situation or, or a person because of a societal norm. Well, society says it's okay, so that means it's okay. Society says it's cool, so that means it's cool. And it's like, no, 
It's not cool. It's not biblical. It's not okay. You can't be okay with the present reality because you think everyone else is okay. I love, I love what Pastor Eric said one time. He talked about how just because I win a race with a little kid doesn't mean I'm fast. Right? I hope Pastor Eric can beat Zadok in a race. I don't know. Zadok's really skinny and he, he has little legs, so you know. But he should. But that doesn't mean Pastor Eric's fast, right? And what we will tend to do is compare. We will look at things through the lens of societal cultural norms instead of scripture. And, and that's a whole different sermon for another day. I can list like 20 things we do. We can look through political opinion. I get it. There's red and there's blue in the room. And we both need to pray for each other because both your parties are all messed up. <laughs> um, they actually teach this in, in Bible college and, and hermeneutics. It's called hermeneutics where what you can't do is go into the word and go in it with a lens of trying to prove your point with the word. You got to let the word prove its point to itself. And from reading the word properly, you then get the truth. Because if you go in trying to prove your point, you will always be able to twist it. It's the same thing with political opinion. If you, like, and that's where social media is so tough today is because what social media will do is they will continue to feed the things that you think are true. And what you and I do is we end up getting stuck in like a silo of reality and belief. And, and what God wants to do is free you from that understanding. Because if you're looking at things just based on how you voted, whether you voted for Trump or Biden, can I tell you, it's not going to lead you to a real, mature, biblical understanding of Jesus. You cannot look at life, people, or things based on how you voted. You have to look at it based on what Jesus says and the gospel. And lastly, you, you can't look at life based on trending topics. Based on what people say is okay and not okay. Based on what's trending on Twitter. That's an improper, unhealthy lens or a worldview. You can't do that. Okay, let me get in your kitchen for a minute. Let me give you the last one. This one's going to be a little tough, but I promise I love you. And this one is probably the one I identified with the most. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Is A lot of us, probably what I think is one of the most unhealthy ones in these three, is the lens of victimhood. Psychologists call it a victim mentality. She did a little bit of research on it this week to make sure I wasn't crazy. What we do is we will look at life through the lens of being a victim. And what that, what that is, is we, we, we look at people, especially people, that, that for me, especially people. And we talked about this last week a little bit with trust, but right, we, 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 we tend, we'll tend to meet people and right away we think the worst of them. Right away, they, we think they're gonna hurt us. Why? Because your dad hurt you or your mom hurt you or that boyfriend hurt you or your ex-husband or ex-wife hurt you or whatever. And what we do is we live our life as a victim instead of living our life as mature people who follow Jesus. We let our traumatic experiences determine our reality. And we can't do that. There's no freedom in that. What the lens of victimhood does as well, and it's the term actually in victim mentality, is we will begin to self-sabotage ourselves. That's the biggest sign they said as someone who has a victim mentality, is what you will do is you will always blame other people and you'll never take responsibility. And because you don't take responsibility, nothing ever gets better. You self-sabotage yourself. You isolate yourself. You, you, you think it's the whole world against you. Come on. 
I lived like that. I can preach about this because I live like that. My, my dad would talk to me like that. My biological father would say, he would say, Chris, it's, it's us scoses against the world. That's such an unbiblical lie. Because when you get saved and you come into the kingdom and you come find a family, which is Thrive or whatever church you go to, I don't care, as long as you're in a church, God gives you a family and next thing you know, God is the person who has your back. You have people who love you. You have people you can trust again. You don't have to feel like everyone's out to get you. Stop thinking like you're 11 years old in middle school on the like playground. But we do that. I did that. And I was miserable. Couldn't trust anyone. I didn't want to love anyone. And and next thing you know, I'm living a life in an improper biblical lens when God has so much more for me. But I'm self-sabotaging and I'm regurgitating my traumatic experience. And I, I told you last week, the stuff you went through is real. I'm not trying to downplay what you went through. You, some of you went through traumatic suffering and hurt and abuse and pain. But what I want to tell you is that instead of living in that, God wants to free you from that and give you purpose of that pain. And so you no longer are living life through the lens of a traumatic experience. And then... I don't know why Christians are notorious for this one. Deep unforgiveness. We, and maybe it's not just Christians. I think it's just people. It's just the human nature. We don't know how to say sorry. And we don't know how to forgive. And like really forgive. Like, like really, really forgive. Not just be like, I forgive and then like go back and then like type up something on Facebook and then delete it before you post it. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, I'm not the only one. I've written some comments that only Jesus knows. <laughs> I've written some texts that the Holy Ghost said, uh-uh. Don't do it, Chris. They're going to screenshot it. And then post it on Twitter. Or send it to Pastor Eric. We don't. Jesus says, because you've been forgiven much, you forgive much. Jesus says, seven times 77, right? Again and again and again. And what is he saying? He's saying, don't live in a life of unforgiveness. Son, I know your dad left you. But stop treating every man like your father. I know that person hurt you, but stop living every relationship through the lens of unforgiveness, through the lens of victimhood. Because God doesn't want that for you. I don't want that for you. Like, okay, if you're like, okay, maybe God doesn't want that for you. I'll just be honest. I don't want that for you. I want you to walk around always thinking something's going to go wrong. Again, I'm not talking about a happy perspective and a positive emotional reality. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about being free in Jesus. And when I discovered that, when I discovered that freedom was more about walking in it than receiving it, everything changed. When it was, instead of putting the lenses, instead of putting lenses on, 
that I wasn't supposed to have, that Jesus called me to take off the lenses and just look at life the way he looked at life, to look at people the way God looks at people, to look at situations the way God looks at situations. Man, it was so, it was so much better. Oh my gosh, there was so much freedom in that. So much freedom in that. And so let me help you take off the lenses a little bit. Let me give you four things instead of asking why. Because that's what we do. We go through something and we're like, God, why? Why, God? Why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening? Why me, God? Why me? And, and I would ask you a question, why not you? You act like God doesn't have his best intentions in mind for your life. You act like God is out to get you and he's not. And if you and I can let go of that immaturity and ask some of these questions, I think it'll be very beneficial. Number one, instead of asking why God, why me? Why don't we ask, what are you doing internally? Jesus, what are you doing? Okay, when, when my, I'll, just, I'll, just use, I'll just use a very intense situation because I think that will encompass the conversation. So, so when my brother passed away, Two years ago during COVID, uh, my brother overdosed and it was really traumatic and it was intense. And, and, I, I, and I was a pastor, so I think I could speak into the situation of you trying to love Jesus, but then something really bad happening. The immediate default response of my life should have been why. But what I need to do is instead of asking why, is first I need to ask what? God, what are you doing in me? Because this is horrible and this was bad and this was tragic. However, God, I know this isn't pointless and this isn't useless and this is just, just whatever. God, what are you doing in me through this? What are you building in me? This is how mature believers think. I wanna, I'm trying to help you. This is how mature people process it when things go down. God, what are you doing inside of me? What am I asking? God, what are you giving purpose to the pain I'm going through? Number two, how are you doing it? Some of us need to ask this question. God, how are you gonna do it? How are you gonna grow in my life? How are you gonna heal? How are you gonna set free? How are you gonna give purpose? God, give me direction right now because if I don't get direction from you, I'm just gonna spiral out of control. And it could be something serious or it could be something not as serious. But God, how are you moving? That's what you need to ask. Instead of looking at the situation and thinking God's not moving, God, how are you moving? Right? It's like that song we sing. Even when it looks like I'm surrounded. I'm not surrounded by the enemy. I'm surrounded by you. How are you moving? How are you doing it? Number three, this one's big. Who are you moving through? When the thing happened with my brother... God, who are now your, who, who are you going to bring into my life that is going to help me process the pain that I'm going through? And, and what we will do with an improper lens is think that I got to take this all on my own and you got to shoulder all the weight of the world and all the circumstance and all the stuff. That's an improper perspective. What we need to understand is when stuff goes down, God sends people. Now, that's a very intense situation. Maybe it's not an intense situation. Maybe it's something like your boss just doesn't like you, right? Or maybe you're just not getting along with someone. 
Well, God, give me perspective. And who are you moving? Are you moving through this person who I think has a demon in them? Because there's something I want to, there's something you're trying to build in me and there's something you're, I'm trying to learn, right? Instead of God, can you just take this boss away? Oh God, can you just take this person away? Oh God, can you just have this person flunk in my class so that way they can go to another class? Or can you just transfer them to the other location? God's like, no, I put them there on purpose because there's something I got to do in you. You ever like not like someone in church and then God makes you sit next to them every week for like a month? This is, this is what I tell, this Everyone's looking at each other like, wait, let me check. I remember one time there was a situation where um, Vanessa, her family got really hurt by some church people. And I said, won't God do it to where for the rest of our lives, we worship next to them in heaven? So you better forgive them and get over it now because you're gonna be with them forever. Who is he moving through? And here's the big one have a good perspective, who will be impacted? My brother passed on my floor in my apartment. We just moved in my condo like a week before. And I remember thinking to myself, like I'm weeping, I'm crying, I'm broken before the Lord. But I remember asking myself the question, God, who are, now, who, who are you gonna speak to now through me because of this pain I went through? And I begin to say, devil, you messed up. You messed up, devil. You thought you got one, but you're going to lose like a thousand more. Because I'm not going to let you just do this. Now I get to relate to people who've lost a sibling. Now I get to pe- preach to people who've gone through that level of brokenness. Ooh, something in me started stirring in that floor when I was broken because I realized that I needed a perspective of how God was gonna use me through people, how God was gonna use me so others can get impacted because I realized that when I go through stuff, God isn't just mad or upset, but God is actually moving. Even when I don't see it, God is actually doing something. Even though when I'm hurt, God is actually doing something in me so that way others can be impacted by the gospel. Lastly, I want to just end with this. John Piper says this. It's it's a really great quote. He says, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. We need to get some perspective. You and I need to come into the reality of a proper, eternal perspective in Jesus. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.